This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Have a listen to this. Have a listen to this. Now, that kind of talk this week dragged Australia's share market to a two-year low. There are, of course, complex He was the big spender. The big spender. Doing the grocery shopping could take a huge chunk out of the family budget. And that's finance. Hello and welcome to Comedian vs. Economist. We demystify the world of money and help you get a handle on the bigger picture. My name's Adam, and we're joined as always by my little older brother and real life economist, Thomas. Hi, Thomas. Yeah, good day, Adam. How are you going? Ah, Thomas, what a time to be running the premier comedy economics podcast. I don't know about you, <laughs> but for me, it is just a great time to be pretty much an economist. There is so much going on inflation, rates. It's going off. And I don't know about you, you're, you're an actual economist, but for the rest of us who are pretty much economists, it just feels like a great time to be alive. Mm. Yeah, economics is always exciting. It's one of the things people don't understand about it. Yeah. Uh, lots of listener questions this week too, which unfortunately we're not going to have time for. Uh, some great feedback though from Tuesday Like Tuesday, nice uh, username there on Instagram at CVE Podcast, said, loving the podcast, I'm learning and laughing the whole time. This is how all finance should be taught. They said, given I'm a designer with no financial background, I'm amazed I can even keep up. But I think it just goes to show that economics just isn't really that difficult. And as long as you just keep predicting things, it doesn't matter. Yeah. The results do not matter. So welcome aboard and thank you for tuning in. Um, we also had some really great, uh, really great emails, some really big, long ones with lots to unpack. Um, so we're going to get stuck into those next week. So Josh and David, we hear you. We appreciate your big questions and we'll come back to you next week. But for now, massive show coming up, Thomas. So let's get into it. Uh, we're going to take a dip in the bloodbath of the ASX and see what's happening in the ASX share market game. Uh, CPI data was out last week, and for the first time in history, people are actually talking about it. We'll find out why. Uh, Phil Lowe has finally bowed to peer pressure, or has he? We'll, we'll find out by this time uh, on Wednesday when this podcast is released. Uh, the official cash rate may or may not have gone up. We think uh, if he didn't, then he will soon because there's nowhere left to hide for Pilo. And has the sheriff of Tradingham finally caught up with Robin Hood? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was laboured to say the least uh, We're going to have a look at what's happening with the uh, Robin Hood trading app And the government is helping people get into the housing market through its home guarantee scheme But is it all it's cracked up to be? We're going to take a look But Thomas, we did mention the ASX share, tr share market trading game We hope that you've been playing along at home We've certainly been playing along uh, It's been a rough ride, I've got to say mm. uh, I thought it would be easier than this, I really did I don't know about you, but I'm seeing a lot of red. 
How are you tracking? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think last time we checked in, I was in the top 6,000, which I mm. was pretty happy about. I was, yep. thought I was well-placed in the peloton, ready to make my move. <laughs> I've Poised <now> to strike. <laughs> really, really pounce. As soon as, as, soon as those top 5,000 slipped, you were ready. But I, I actually lost ground, so I'm now down to 6,609th position. Ah. Nice. Yeah, out of almost, just over 7,000. So it's not going well for me. You, I was excited for you because I knew that you mm. said you said you bought City Chic and I saw mm. the other day that they were one of the big movers. They were up 9%. And mm. I thought, that's going to help. That's going to help you. Yeah. But <laughs> down 20% no. before that. <laughs> It's always the problem. That's why you need the big picture. So yeah. you've got to look at the big picture. You can't just look at the daily change of 9% and get excited. You've got to factor in the fact that you're down 30% from the week before. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm sitting pretty. I'm sitting around, uh, I'm sitting around 4,000, 4,030th right mm, at the moment. Mm, um, mm. Just under the starting position of $50,000, my total portfolio value is 49,509. I was excited today mm. because I saw in the news that Mike Cannon-Brooks, uh, the founder of Atlassian, he's got a company, I think it's called Grok. He announced today that he's going to buy 11.5% of AGL, which I thought that's good news for AGL shareholders uh, and good news for AGL share price, more importantly, as a, uh, as a holder of AGL in my virtual portfolio. The share price tanked 0.7%, went down on that news. <laughs> the people not as excited as I was to see AGL in the news. There is some speculation, though, that he's buying 11.5% of AGL because he wants to block uh, the vote of a demerger uh, next month. Yeah. So mm. uh, whenever it is June, I think. So um, so people are a little bit sceptical about his intentions. Uh, and as a virtual shareholder, I'm concerned too. I just... I'll make my feelings known at the uh, at the virtual AGL. <laughs> we get invited, right, as part of the share market trading game. They invite all players. <laughs> what else can you tell us? Well, we got the ASX sent us through their movers and shakers. So we got the uh, the top one and two and the most improved. So number one is Bearish Bull. Mm. Um, they're doing well. They're up from. They were number two when we checked in about three weeks ago. So they've added another thousand dollars to their portfolio. Now sitting on sixty-two thousand. Nice. Uh, so they're doing well. They're they're riding the mining sort of commodity boom that's happening at the moment. So a lot of uh, mining stocks in their in their portfolio. <laughs> Are you riding the mining commodity boom as well? That was one of your one of your strategies, oh. wasn't it? No, I capitulated. You're on the wrong on my boom. Oil trade, yeah. I was late to the. To the oil You're on boom. Andrew Forrest Infinity trade. Yeah, <laughs> getting down the hill. <laughs> like some some of the smaller players have done really well, and you've got to wonder if they're gonna. Sorry, you know, small mining stocks, and you wonder if they're gonna keep going on now that oil price, iron ore prices are coming off the boil. Hmm. What What was interesting though is number two was Invincible Investor. Hmm. They have gone completely to cash. So they did well with a number of reopening trades. So right. some like travel stocks and some logistics companies mm. did well. Then up at you know, 62000 only $15 behind Bearish Bull. But now they're out. They've gone to cash and they're like... Wow, so, valid strategy, right? Like, you know, if you think the market's about a tank, then going to cash might be a, a smart move. It's a good a move as investing in something that you're not sure about. Better, I'd argue. Yeah, yeah. 
don't need to throw shade at me like that, but you know. <laughs> oh, don't worry. I'm in. I'm in everything. I have no cash holder. I have $216 in my virtual portfolio. The stocks I did buy worked out better than the ones you bought. That's all. I'm not, not mm. throwing shade. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting to think about what they're, what they're doing. So like there's three scenarios in my mind. One, they've just gone, mm. they reckon 62,000 is a winning bet, a winning, posi- winning final, final position. So they're just mm. taking their chips off the table and going, that's it. I'm, I'm banking that no one's going to beat me from there. Mm. Maybe that's right. The second could be that they're just repositioning, that the, the reopening trades are done. They're like, yeah, made some good money out of that. Now I'm going to wind those trades up and look for something else. That could mm. be it. Or they think the market's about to crash and they think the safest place is in cash. Mm. Which one it is? I don't know. You could make an argument for all three. So it's interesting. Yeah, I guess they're probably, I mean, 62,000, they're certainly not worried about players like yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Whether that's a winning score or not, it's, it's going to be pretty winning <laughs> compared to where you're at. Uh, anyway, we do hope you're playing. Oh, there, I think there's, there is uh, – no, I think you might have missed the boat by now if you haven't got in yet. Uh, if you are playing along, yeah, we hope you're doing well. We hope you're doing better than us. I noticed, though, that in terms of the leagues, there's different leagues. The equity mates league not performing so well. So I think it's incumbent upon all of us to, I don't know, maybe go to cash and hope for a, <laughs> for a widespread crash. Maybe that could be our, our strategy, our dark horse strategy, where everyone from equity rates uh, involved in the equity rates league just goes to cash now and we all just pray for a, for a <laughs> recession. Oh, <my> <laughs> all right, Thomas, I mentioned it was an amazing time to be alive. Inflation data was out last week. What did we learn? Yeah, inflation rocked the house. It was a big number. Came in much hotter than expected. Um, mm. So everyone's, you know, the backstory, the context here is everyone's watching inflation because that's going to determine the course of interest rates. Uh, mm. We knew inflation's in the system. We knew that it's coming uh, and it came with a thud. It, la- it landed much hotter than we were expecting. So 2.1% in the quarter versus 1.7% expected. So that's a big gap. Uh, now looking at 5.1% over the year versus 4.6% expected. So, yeah, that's very strong. Yeah, at 5.1%, the headline rate, that's the, the highest rate of inflation since 2000. Um, right. And that number itself was driven by the introduction of the GST. So we're kind of looking at, at the, the hottest inflation rate in a generation. And the, the other thing that's, that's really important here is the trim mean, which is a, a measure the, RB, the ABS publishes, which pulls out all the volatile items, the things that are jumping around a lot. That came in at 3.7%. And that trim mean is what the RBA says is closest to the measure that they're most interested in. Mm. They have a concept of core inflation and, they, and the trim mean measure gets closest to that. So that came in at 3.7%. That's Remember, the RBA has a target ban for inflation of two to three percent. Mm. So, three point seven—that's a—that's a—that's a, de- a fair chunk higher than their target ban, which is what caused a lot of markets to freak out. So, all the major banks then revised—or no, not not all, but pretty much all—brought forward their expectations for rate hikes to tomorrow's meeting. That's Tuesday's meeting. So, yesterday, by the time you're listening to this. Um, so now everyone's previously, I think in June, now everyone brought that forward to, to yesterday. Right. So everyone's kind of, cause everyone was doing that already cause no one believed Phil when Phil was mm. talking, we're not going to raise rates, inflation's fine. And all the banks said, no, nah, we reckon you're wrong. And he was like, nah, 
I'm good. Mm. He's not getting his bonus this year, is he? Well, yeah. Well, I mean, or, or I is he exceeded expectations? We said, well, we were targeting two to three percent, and I've delivered three point seven. So, <laughs> <laughs> crushed it. Crushed it. Yeah. <laughs> The governor's statement partly needs to keep an eye. Like you're 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 managing expectations in the market. So if you come out and just go, oh my god, inflation's going through the roof. I'm really scared. We're mm. going to have to really jack up rates and really aggressively. Everyone, even if that's the reality, everyone's going to freak out. So you've always, as a governor, you've always got to be out going like, yeah, inflation's contained. We're pretty happy with the path of interest rates from here it's going to be a modest adjustment inflation's in hand you kind of got you kind of just got to say that mm. so i think that's where that's where where fulo's been <laughs> it's interesting that like yesterday's meeting so tuesday's meeting is really interesting because the case for a rate hike has is really evident now given you know mm. remembering that prior to yesterday i don't know what happened but yesterday official cash rates at 0.1% so the lowest it's ever been by a long way definitely what you would call an emergency setting. Mm. And so it's kind of clear that we don't need an emergency setting anymore. We've sort of inflation's on the run. Uh, you need to pull that in. You need to step back from like a super stimulatory in emergency setting of 0.1%. Mm. So that's sort of the case. But there's two two factors in that mix in that. One is that we're in the middle of an election campaign. So the last, uh, in 2007, the RBA hiked rates in the middle of John Howard's election campaign and he went on to lose. Hmm. A lot of people in the, the Liberal Party said, well, that was a factor, partly because John Howard had gone on like a headless chook about interest rates in the 2004 election. <laughs> but then that came back to bite him when the RBA raised rates during his election campaign. And there was sort of a vibe from some people saying like, oh, that was kind of poor form on the RBA's part. They should have waited a bit to not politicise the decision. Similar arguments are being made now that they should. Does it hold matter though? Fire. Like, I mean, could they do that? Could they just hold off? Can they just go? You know, we're not going to do it during an election. Is it really going to make that much difference if we do it now? Or, you know, I, I don't know. When could they do it next? Will they meet yeah. again sometime? It, pro- it probably doesn't matter too much. So we're at zero point one now. The the, mm. uh, the kind of expectation is that the first rate hike will go back. Will be. 15 basis points and we'll get us back to an even 25 basis points 0.25 and then from there we'll move in 25 basis point increments from 0.25 to 0.5 to 0.75 to 1 and that's Mm. just how interest rates normally work they're in that those round 0.25 so the first move is just to take us back to that that 0.25 so there one of one of the possibilities is that people are talking about is that they the rba holds on tuesday and then gives us 40 basis points in June. So it gives us that 15 plus another 25. Yeah. So it normalizes it back and then tacks on another 20, uh, an actual rate hike at the June meeting. And so you get 40 basis points in June. Right. And, what the, and practically there's not much difference between 15 now, 25 in June versus 40 in June. It's not going to really make that much difference. But publicity-wise, if you're trying mm. to win an election... It's a big difference. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, yeah, mm. but I mean, that's sort of the, the, the counter argument to that is saying like, well, by, hold, by holding off because it's an election campaign, you're necessarily politicizing interest rates anyway just by doing that. You're saying that it's not independent. It's influenced by the political side. Yeah. Damn you if you do. Doing that. Damn if you don't. Yeah. And then if you hold off and say Labor wins, 
the first thing that happens after the Labour <laughs> victory is you get a rate hike, <laughs> so which kind of looks, kind of plays into that whole story. That and the fuel excise rise runs out. Yeah. yeah. And everything. <laughs> just, just What's your team, Labour? We had one job. You've been here five minutes. We've got rate hikes. We're paying more for petrol. <laughs> be a disaster. It's noticeable yeah. though. The inflation increase is already noticeable. Like Anna said, came home from the shops the other day, and she's like, "Everything is like has gone up by a dollar." Mm. And I was like, "I'm not, not sure how how um, how accurate that is, but I'm not sure if the maths check out." But she was like, "Yeah, it's definitely noticeable. I've noticed that everything's now kind of a dollar more." Mm. So we, I mean, you know, we've had to make some pretty radical changes already. Like rather than buying skim milk anymore, we just buy full cream milk and tip half of it into the other bottle and fill them both up with water. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you make skim milk anyway. So rather than paying for the full two litres, we just make our, we've started making our own skim milk. We started buying super, like the really, really unripe bananas as well, which I think is smart, so that by the time we're eating the bananas, they've actually increased in value. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. Or as I call it, buy low, eat high. Um, <laughs> well, the coal CEO came out. Coles had a had a trading update. The CEO mm. came out and he reckons that bananas are twenty six percent cheaper than they were a year ago. Apparently, people have gone off bananas. They don't like them anymore. Oh. I can't believe it. It's the, there's my oh. one all through my twenties and you know wild times. That was my thing. I had that was my my <laughs> my one skerrick of healthiness in my life was a banana I'd eat every day. Um, amid all the abuse I was performing on my own body, um, <laughs> eating a banana was the thing that, because I like them, I thought that they were tasty. They're, someone told me they're a superfood, so I'm like, right, bang, that's it. That's easy, tick, done, I'm healthy. Um, so, yeah, but I don't know, apparently they're falling out of favour. Hmm. But the other thing we started doing was we, we started eating a lot more of, of what we produce in our own garden rather than buying stuff from the shops. So, um <laughs> Sounds good in theory, but a succulent just doesn't taste as nice as it sounds. <laughs> seen your garden. Eating, eating it's mostly grass. bamboo. <laughs> yeah. All right. So anyway, back on the interest rate thing. Does, does this all mean we're going to get higher rates for longer? Like in the short term, we're going to see a rate rise. But mm. should we all start freaking out about our mortgages just yet? Or I mean, this yeah, everyone's adjusting their for, like their forecasts, their predictions around this. So ANZ now they've raised their what they call the terminal rate, so the the rate at which the cash rate tops out, at which the RBA stops hiking. They're mm. now looking for three percent. So that's that's a long way from where we are now, and that's quite an aggressive. Hang on, point, cycle. so point two five or point one as point it is one. now yeah. to three percent. Yeah. Yeah. That's where they're saying yeah. that this ends. Yeah, that's yeah, a that's lot. Right. It's a lot it from is. where we are now. Yeah, it is. It is. But if you if you rewind five years, three percent is a very low rate, mm. which is which is sort of the interesting thing about it. So it, it there is this sort of like ratcheting effect that yeah, how interest rates drop and everyone gets used to that, and then they go up a little bit and everyone freaks out. That even though three yeah. percent, you know, you're not. You probably will be telling your grandkids about. I remember when the <laughs> mortgage rates were three <laughs> percent. I think it's fair to say I won't remember this. <laughs> no, well, yeah. I think the problem is too yeah. that, like, you say that, like, three percent is just where they were five years ago. But a lot of people had bought some pretty highly leveraged properties in the yeah. last couple of years, and no, so, that's right. so that's the problem. Like, they all yeah, bought that's right. at fixed loan rates of. Of whatever they were, one point nine percent. So three percent. That starts to 
starts to jack up your repayments. That's right. That's right. Yeah, you're probably looking at a mortgage rate of about mm. 5 6%. Yeah, and that's people then talking about that sort of talks translates into like a 15 20% fall in house prices if, if they mm. get there. So, yeah, so there's a question. Yeah, the, the question is where do terminal rates end up? Some mm. of the banks are uh, adjusting upwards their terminal rate idea that inflation's running pretty hot. Are we still are we still talking about inflation being transitory or permanent, or are we all just kind of going, it's here to stay now? We're all it's permanent. This is yeah. This is still the question. It's still the big question. The consensus seems <sighs> really to be like shifting. Really like some answers, the, Thomas. Really like some. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't, a lot I don't of do questions. answers. I There's do a lot questions. Of questions going around. I like your positive <laughs> reinforcement about my questions too. I really appreciate that. <laughs> It's really a lot of questions question, this week, Adam. Yeah. A lot of questions. <laughs> a lot of questions this week on noticing. Good work. Wait, let me answer some of your questions with more questions. <laughs> Have you considered this question instead of your question? Uh, right. Yeah. No, yeah. So, the, I mean, the consensus is, has shifted to it's, that it's more permanent. Mm. I'm, I'm not entirely sure that's the case. Like if you look at, if you break down the inflation numbers, the big big driver is transport prices. That's running at 13% year on year. That's mm. obviously all about fuel prices and oil prices. Um, the number two is housing costs, and that's running at 6.7% 6. a year. And that's all around material shortages and bottlenecks in the, in the construction industry. It's not clear that either of those things are permanent. I mean, definitely in the case of oil prices, oil prices have fallen from their recent peaks. So mm. in, the, in the coming quarter... Oil prices are going to be disinflationary. They're going to be tr- subtracting from the inflation numbers. Um, they're not, and let you know, because you've got to remember, inflation is about the change in prices. So it's not about the level. So if it goes up in one quarter and then just stays there and doesn't go mm. anywhere, even though prices are still high, you're still paying X dollars for bananas. It's inflation is zero because it hasn't changed. So for inflation to sort of hold at 5%, it needs to keep going up 5% every year. Right. And and up and up and up and keep levelling up. So inflation is is the rate of change. That's the that's mm. the that's the thing to remember. Do you get then like a compounding inflation situation? Like if you keep going up and up 5% every you know, like we talk about, mm. you know, the, the beauty of uh, long term investing and compound interest with investing, do you, is compound inflation a thing? If it's five percent every year, then seems like that's a risk yeah yeah it is i mean it yeah the value the higher the inflation rate the more your the value of your current your money's devaluing Hmm. but it's not it's not cumulative like compound interest works because you're accumulating the interest and then you get interest on the interest Hmm. it's kind of it's just a different thing Really? Yeah. Because if you yeah, had a, no. if you buy a banana and it costs you a dollar, and mm. and and the um, inflation rate's five percent, mm. so the next time you buy a banana, it's a dollar and five, mm. and if inflation stays at five percent, then the next time you buy a banana, it's it's another five percent of now a dollar and five. So. Mm. So whatever that is, <laughs> my maths yeah. has run out after five <laughs> percent of one dollar. <laughs> the point is like. Oil prices are now become once they stop going up and start falling, they become mm. deflationary, and so that becomes into your mix. What happens to the materials costs in the housing equation? That's an unknown. We'll have to see. Mm. But yeah, it's it's not it's not entirely clear to me that it's permanent as opposed to transitory. Yeah, it's not like some of it definitely is. It'll be interesting to see how labour costs go from here. 
But you've also got a lot of headwinds in the global economy, interest rates are rising in the US, China's looking mm. at a hard landing, you've got the war in Europe. Like there's a lot of headwinds, a lot of people talking about recession. So it's mm. kind of it's it's difficult to see a scenario where prices keep rising at, you know, five plus percent a year into a global recession, for example. Yeah. Oh, well, some people got $250 last week from the government, so that should cover it anyway, whatever happens. Yeah. <laughs> that if, if your mortgage repayments triple, you will mm. be fine. Yeah. Um, Follow Adam's advice, go long bananas. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's take a break there. We'll get a word from this week's sponsors and we'll be back talking Robin Hood and the Home Guarantee Scheme Sucker Punch. See you soon. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Welcome back here on Comedian versus Economist. You can, of course, send us an email, cve at equitymates.com or via the website, equitymates.com forward slash cve. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at CVE Podcast. Thomas, it's reporting season in the US and the reports are in. Turns out the stock market is hard. <laughs> and so we see all the people who flocked to Robin Hood are now leaving in droves. What's going on there? Yeah, Robin Hood. Yeah, so Robin Hood IPO'd back in two, 2021. So we now get an insight into their, they've got a report on their revenue and user numbers. Uh, mm. And they're having a shocker. It's, um, yeah, revenues down to just under 300 million versus they were expecting 360 million. So that was a big miss. Uh, revenues down 43% on a year ago. Mm. Monthly active users down to 16 million, down from 18 million a year ago. Average revenue per user down to $53 per user, down from 137 a year ago. So that's a massive drop. Whoa. Mm. Wow. Why is everyone leaving? It's, turns out it was harder than they thought it was going to be. Because this, this was the I big, Robin Hood so. was the big go-to destination for all your retail investors, right? Mm. Like the um, Wall Street bets, Reddit, mm. subreddit, whatever, was sending, like people seemed to just flock from there straight into Robin Hood Bought up GameStop, bought up AMC, bought up what else was there? Budget, I think, at mm. one point. The old mm. short squeeze. Everyone was having yeah. a great time. <laughs> That's what I remember. Everyone was really enjoying it. Yeah. That was a really enjoyable kind of yeah. year or so. Yeah. 
I think we did a we did a podcast on it mm. too. If you, if you go back and listen to, yeah. I think it was GameStop. Maybe mm. go back and listen to that. It's probably quite entertaining from a year or so ago. GameStop. Yeah, now yeah. it's all gone bad. People are people are leaving. Yeah, it's not making money. And the CEO Vlad Tenev says that our larger customers are still remaining active, but we're seeing more pronounced mm. declines from those with lower balances. So that seems to suggest, yeah, the retail investors, your sort of your mum and dad, probably not really mum and dad. They're probably like high school kids almost so just losing money and they're bailing on it i mean a lot of it was talk like there was a lot of talk about like people plowing their um <laughs> stimulus smart. package checks straight into, straight into the stock market it's smart <laughs> yeah but why wouldn't you it's like you, you know it was easy yeah. as i mean pe- you know like, falling out of a boat you could yeah, you know mm. make money yeah 2020 21 oh golden days yeah just making yeah. heaps of and money and it was like you had all these you had all these experts you know the, the yeah. what do they call I mean, monday's I, experts it's pretty easy to be an expert when like the whole market is just going up every day you sign up for robin hood buy some meme stocks make 80% and you tell your friends that you're not just following the herd you're doing like you know you did your market research you're understanding the fundamentals and you know now the fundamentals have mm. bitten you in the bum. So yeah, that's right. I mean, I mean, it was the whole sort of the culture of it, like retail trading to an extent, was sticking it to Wall Street and like mm. we're going to make money just by following stupid bets. Did you see Warren Buffett? He came out. He wasn't too <laughs> didn't have too many nice things to say about Robin Hood. Oh yeah. He um he he I think he accused the he accused Robin Hood of turning the stock market into a casino mm. something to that effect maybe it wasn't directly at Robin Hood but he said the stock market had turned into a casino I mean that's kind of their business model effectively because they, because they you know they they sell order flows mm. so their revenue depends on the quantity of trades being made so if you're like a long-term investor buying a bunch of ETFs and just sitting on it mm. you're useless to Robin Hood you're no value to them at all Right. You're only value to Robin Hood if you're in there, if you're, you know, they're going to get most value out of a day trader who's like doing, you know, 100 trades a day. Mm. Yeah. So like, and that's really what they rely on. <laughs> just taking action on every Reddit post, just every, <laughs> every comment right back on, back on AMC. <laughs> oh no, someone well, said no, that's about no, it. I'm, I'm off. I'm out. Yeah. So that's sort of their business model is it's like they kind of like, and that was always the criticism is that they sort of, they gamified trading mm. and turned it into, to, into like, like a sort of a slot machine effectively. And that was all great for users when, when, everything was going up mm. but then once it starts to fall mm. and everything's falling then there's just nothing but pain and this is sort of like the difference that the disadvantage that robin hood set has relative to a casino is a casino can tr- control the payout of like a slot machine mm. so like if, if users start getting going too broke and getting upset with it you just change the payout ratio mm. you can't do that with the share market because you've got no control over it so like because at the time there was like yeah this was the end it was people power it was like look at us mm. we've got this horde we've got an army of investors who are now like people were saying they're now wielding too much power these retail investors they were moving the markets through reddit and other channels of you know with people posting speckies or whatever so has that just turned out not to be true? They don't. They just don't have that much power, or they all just went. Maybe they just don't have that much money. <laughs> Once they started losing money, then it was like, well, we're all out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The casino took all their chips, and they mm. got nothing. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think. I mean, maybe that is like we haven't seen a meme stock in a long time. I mean, partly the the, the climate has changed. It's not mm. kind of. 
that, but we haven't seen a, an AMC or a GameStop in the last twelve months. Although I can't remember. The, no, uh, I lose track of time. But the one that the one that keeps know. popping up is Dogecoin, though it's not a stock, obviously. But Doge, like when oh, yeah. when Musk bought Twitter, mm. Dogecoin popped like twenty percent. So oh, of course it did. Yeah. <laughs> So maybe they're just getting a bit smarter, Um, these retail investors. They've moved to Doge (laughs) as a sign of maturity. I mean, the thing I find really telling is Robinhood now makes more money from crypto trading than it does from shares. Right. So they make make 54 million um, versus 36 million from equities. And options, options is the big money, is the the gravy train for Robinhood. They make 127 million from options. Yeah. So it's like... Yeah, it's like four times as much as they do from equities on riskier options. So it's like you kind of look at all of it and it's like it's – this is what I sort of feel about crypto and about this sort of Robin Hood stuff is Mm. the disruption that it created was the disruption to gambling. That's the industry that it disrupted. That's what crypto disrupts. It disrupts online gambling. Right. And eventually everyone loses money and – there's no no fun to be had. Right. So everyone bails. And I think that's what Robin Hood's looking at. Well, that was what, um, so there was Warren Buffer and his partner in crime, uh, Charlie Munger, and they did their earnings call for Berkshire Hathaway. And Charlie Munger was the same. He was like, there is nothing good about crypto at all. Like it's evil. It's going to mm. make me look like a fool. If it does all those things, like they were both like, it's, it's pointless and worthless, but mm. it's quite an enjoyable watch actually. You should go look it up on YouTube. <laughs> There's there's a lot of parallels between Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger sitting down at an earnings call and those two guys that used to sit in the stands in the Muppets. <laughs> it's terrible. It's terrible. That's <laughs> <laughs> so worth a look. Just Google those two things and tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> right, Thomas, finally on today's show, we're going to talk about the home guarantee sucker punch uh, as you said it to me, I don't think I don't think it's quite. Yeah. I don't think it's quite that. Um, what are we talking about here? The home guarantee scheme from the government. Yeah, so this is a scheme that came in a few years ago with the recent budget announced. It was being extended, and the price caps were being lifted. So basically, under the scheme, you can get a five percent. If you have a five percent deposit, mm. the government comes in and guarantees um, the remaining fifteen percent to get you up to a twenty percent deposit. And then you get a mortgage. When you say they guarantee, you mean they give you the extra 15%. Is that how it works? No, they go guarantee on it. So they, so it's kind of like if your parents go guarantor on your home loan. <laughs> They're saying that if Adam goes broke, right. I'll cough up the money to, to get you to get the bank out of trouble. Do you have to wash ScoMo's car once a week or something to get the... <laughs> <laughs> do, do you, everyone's going to do their chores, get their, get their 15%. No, you just have to hear about it every year. Christmas. <laughs> Remember that time I had to bail you out of the house? Yeah. <laughs> oh, where's my ukulele? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so basically saying like if you go bankrupt, mm. the, gov- the government promises to give the bank 15%. And so the bank in return says, okay, I'm not going to charge the borrower lender's mortgage insurance. Right. LMI, yep. so which is just quite quite expensive depending on the size of your mortgage. Mm. So it's a scheme that allows some people to duck the lenders' mortgage insurance um, and helps them get into the market. The timing's interesting, isn't it? Because we're all you know we've spent half of today's show talking about inflation and talking about rising mm. interest rates. Yeah, it doesn't seem like great timing to be announcing, "Hey, come on in, the water's great in the housing market." 
for a highly leveraged loan. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, then that's why the guys at Macro Business are quite like, they're calling it a sucker punch. It's right. like they're pulling pulling first home buyers into the market and then like whacking them in the face. Mm. Because if you come in with a 5% deposit, um, house prices only need to fall 6% before you're in negative equity where you owe more than your house is worth. <laughs> That's such a stupid term, negative equity. Negative like, equity. It's just, <laughs> like saying, instead of saying I haven't got any money, say I've got negative money. Like it's just... <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's, it's equity in the sense it's not realised. You don't you don't realise the loss on the property until you have to sell. So right. you can go into negative equity and it doesn't touch you unless you have to sell. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, so so that's the sort of thing. So the the trap that you could get into is that house prices fall more than six percent. Mm. So you you now owe more than the you you owe more on the mortgage than the property's worth. So you can't sell out of your mortgage mm. without having to chip in extra cash. You know, and if that if it falls, you go into substantial negative equity, like a hundred grand, say. Mm. You know, you to get out of your house, you've now got to come up with an extra hundred grand just to get out of your mortgage, wow. um, and that's a really difficult situation. Yeah. But you could be in that situation at the same time as rates are rising, mm. and your your monthly repayments are going up, and you you can't you can no longer afford them. And that's that's the that's the punch of that is that you can have this like intense. You know, if you really stretch yourself, say like you go for go for this scheme, you really stretch yourself. You find a mortgage broker who's willing to dodge your numbers a bit. You, you you extend yourself more than you should, and you get a five. You get a five percent deposit. House prices, you know, pretty much every bank is already predicting house prices are going to fall six percent, mm. if not more. If if you know if, if cash rate goes to three percent, which ANZ is predicting, then twenty percent falls are on the cards. So the latest round of buyers, they're, they're potentially looking at negative interest rates at the same time as mortgage rates are going up. And if they can't afford the mortgage, then you're really stuck. You can't afford the mortgage repayments, but so you need to sell, but you can't sell because Make you, a don't, loss. You, you have to come up with the, the shortfall. Yeah, wow. And so then you're stuck. And then you're looking at potentially looking at bankruptcy is the only sort of way out of that. So, so if you're gonna if you're gonna if you're gonna get the government to, to chip in the fifteen percent, you probably want to have at least about fifteen percent extra saved up to make up for the shortfall if it all goes mm, bad. Mm. So. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. That's why you have a deposit of like twenty percent. It's, it's the buffer that that protects you from mm. from falls in house prices, and that's what some of the experts are saying. Like Sally Tyndall from Rate City, sort of financial comparison site, saying that yeah, if you look at the first time buyer who buys at the peak with a wafer thin deposit, that could spell danger if they mm. can't keep up with their mortgage repayments. Just because the government is putting it forward as a solution to, to Australia's housing affordability crisis, that doesn't necessarily make it a good idea for you. Yeah, interesting. So, All right, well, yeah, I guess it's probably worth pointing out that if you are thinking of doing any of these uh, types of things, you should definitely seek uh, financial advice. And I wouldn't take any advice from either me or Thomas on a podcast or any other podcast for that matter. Uh, go and get some professional advice if you are thinking about taking advantage of a scheme like that. But Thomas, that does us for this week. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in out there. We really do appreciate it. As I said, we will get to your emails uh, next week, a couple of good ones there to, to, that we'll look forward to unpacking. Uh, don't forget, you can check out all the other great podcasts from Equity Mates Media, Get Started Investing, Equity Mates Investing Podcast, You're in Good Company, Talk Money to Me, Crypto Curious, The Dive. The Dive, Thomas, you were on The Dive uh, last week talking yeah. about the Sri Lanka crisis. Yeah, went a bit more in depth on that. Mm, that was fun. I think you actually explained it better on Sasha's podcast than you did on this one, to be honest. Yeah, they ask better questions. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Alex is a lot smarter than I am. He's able to really extract the good info. <laughs> that does us for this week. Um, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we look forward to talking to you again next week. Bye for now. Comedian vs. Economist is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal or tax advice. The hosts of Comedian vs. Economist are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equity Mates Media and the hosts of Comedian vs. Economist acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today.